Welcome to Panther Paris, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Paris. Jacob Langsam can't be here tonight. He is off doing whatever he does now that he is single, but it's just TJ and I tonight. And I've got bad news for you guys. The Panthers still don't know how to win a 2-1 game. Uh, they're 3-0 since the last time we've talked. 8-0, but it seems only people, things people want to talk about is how the Panthers can't live coming from behind in the playoffs. But, hey, they've won eight in a row. They've came from behind again last Friday night against the Buffalo Sabres, down 3-1 early, won that game 4-3. You know, ripped Buffalo's heart out with about 30 seconds left in the game because, you know, there are Buffalo fans who really wanted to win that game for some reason. Another uh, strong effort on the second night of a back-to-back in Nashville. Spencer Knight gets a win there, even though he had a couple of gaps playing the puck that could have turned that game. But the Panthers won 4-1. Almost had had that elusive 2-1 win that everyone wants them to see, but those empty net goals. And then yesterday you had another quote-unquote come-from-behind win against the Ducks where the Panthers were almost exposed. Almost, but... Shockingly enough, 55, John Gibson was not able to come up with 55 saves. He only came up with 52, I believe. And therefore, the Panthers won again, eight in a row. TJ, how you feeling? You know, I'm honestly not even, we, we kind of alluded to this before the podcast. My mind is like on other things. My head is turned. I've sort of come around to the idea that, yes, the Panthers are going to be first place in the Atlantic division now. This time next week, we could be talking about a three-game Carolina winning streak or Leafs winning streak and a three-game Panthers losing streak, and then things would be looking different. But I think that's highly unlikely. So, you know, what we're seeing from them down the stretch, that's it's great. You know, it's everything that you would want. The question is really just, like, how much does the end of the regular season matter? And I don't know. That's still kind of up in the air. But as much as it does matter, they're doing everything that you would want. I mean, the Buffalo game, they go behind because Buffalo's got fresher legs. You know, they had just played last night. And people seem to think that that always means that, you know, throughout the whole 60 minutes, that will benefit the rest of the team. It tends to benefit the team that played the night before in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game. That's when Buffalo jumped out to their lead. So I think that that's understandable that Buffalo would be the better team at that point. And also, you know, a lot of this comes down to goaltending this game and the Anaheim game. John Gibson just stood on his head. I know that that's the cliche, but it was really true in this game. Every time you looked up, the puck was coming at him and he was repelling it or he was catching it in his glove. It was exceptional stuff from John Gibson. And, you know, a couple of goals that maybe Bob should have saved, could have saved kept that uh, Sabres game from being a little bit more uh, in hand than it it turned out being. And the Nashville game, I feel like we should give a particular, you know, credit to their performance because that was the the kind of game that people had always asked, Oh, can the Panthers win that type of tight checking, very low event hockey game? Well, it turns out that a game that isn't stretched, that isn't going from end to end super quickly is still a game that they can play, you know, as long as their attendee is making saves that they should make pretty much every time. I mean, Spencer and I did make a couple of very nice saves, maybe a couple that you would have forgiven him for letting in, but overall they gave up very little to the predators. They were deserving winners. And that was, you know, a road game, second night of a back-to-back playing against a playoff team as things stand. 
you got to be very happy with the way they looked in that game. Yeah, and that was a day afternoon back-to-back. They played – well, not afternoon. It was a 6 o'clock start. Yeah, 5 p.m. local played, time, of course. 5 p.m. local time, right. But they played 7 o'clock, got on a plane to Nashville. It's not a long flight, but then played, you know, essentially 6 o'clock, you know, South Florida time and played well. I do want to mention one thing about the Buffalo game. I don't really blame Bob for any goal other than the Skinner goal. And even that one, like, that's not the easiest save to make when you've got a guy – cutting in short side and tight like that. But like the first goal on the power play, cross ice pass, quick shot, like that's that's a goal. Yes, you want you know, you want to see your $10 million goalie make that save, but it's not a goal you look back and say, really, Bob, that's a goal you give up. Like whatever. The second goal, the Pesic goal, Uyghur, I don't know what Uyghur was trying to do, trying to block a shot with his knee. Like that's that's a play that should never happen from Uyghur. You gotta know better. For a guy who's an extremely high high IQ hockey player. That was a low IQ play, so I don't blame Bob. The third goal, I mean, Bob, I guess, had a bad turnover with the puck on his stick and then didn't play it perfectly, but those aren't the best saves to make. I don't really have an issue with how Bob played against Buffalo. The issue the Panthers have had, the, you know, the last two Bob starts, not, you know, I'm not trying to talk about the past game where Bob was pulled and he wasn't great. You know, opposing goalies have just outplayed the Panthers goalie but it's not because Bob was bad. It's because the other team's goalie was really damn good. Like John Gibson put on maybe the best performance a goalie has played against the Panthers this year in a losing effort. And uh, who was it? Who was a net again for Buffalo on Friday? Was it? Uh, oh, geez. Tark- Tarkovsky? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what it sounds like. I can't remember what it is exactly. Something like that. Yeah, it, it's a journeyman vet like who had a solid game. He made a lot of good saves, and then he couldn't make that one at the end, which. You know, that's that's what people still don't understand about the Panthers offense is they are not trading chances all night. They are attacking you all night. They are wearing you down. And by the the third period, the Panthers still have legs because they've been rolling four lines and they're just overwhelming you. Like, I'm curious what the Panthers XG percentage is in the third period of games they're losing. Like, it's got to be absolutely absurd because they just keep the pressure on. They did it against Buffalo. They did it against Anaheim. I mean, Anaheim, that was just an onslaught the whole game. And it was, you know, in the third period when the Panthers were looking for that tying goal, it, they just never stopped. Mm-hmm. And Anaheim does tend to be in those kind of games where they're, they're relying on their goaltender. And most of the time it doesn't work out. Like you can't, you can't win a lot of hockey games in this league like that, unless your goaltender is Igor Shosturgeon. And even then, like, well, sometimes you, you still don't get so lucky, but that was something that, they, like you said, they can break through it because Huberto, Barkov, when it's crunch time, when they can play those guys with the six on five, six on four, sometimes if you get a power play, they're not tired like you know some of the other top guys in the leagues are because they didn't have to play 30 minutes that night. They can play 20 because you can put out a Lundell, Reinhardt, Marchment line and they'll score. And you can put out a Huberto, Duclair, Bennett line or Duclair or not Duclair. Bennett and uh, Giroux line and they'll score. Even the fourth line can often chip in with a goal here or there. You know, we've seen E2 score some goals. We've seen Lomberg. It's got nine goals this year. And that's something I never thought I'd be saying that he could be hitting double figures very soon. It's, it's uh, something that can wear your team down. I mean, the blue liners are chipping in with some goals this year. I mean, did you know that Gustav Forsling is apparently tied for first, maybe first, first or second. In three on three goals this year for by defensemen. 
I didn't know that. It doesn't surprise me because he's had a few. I don't put much stock into that stat. I just think it's, it's fun. Kind of, it's a it's a fun one, but it like I think you also said like Huberto has the most three on three points this year. Uh, like I, it, it goes back to that same analogy I've used in the past from the movie Little Big League when the announcer's like, "Oh, he's batting 297 on Wednesdays that are leap years," so he's got that going for him. It's like it's such an obscure stat, which there's a small sample size. It's not relevant. Like. <laughs> Never mind the fact that it's three on three and there's going to be a total of zero three on three opportunities in the NHL postseason. So it's a cool stat, but it means very little. One thing I want to touch on before, well, is there anything else you want to say in general about these three games before we move on? But I think we kind of covered it all. I, I just wanted to say that I thought Sherratt played his two best games as a Panther the last two. Like he Agreed. had two solid games and like, especially that Nashville game, once you get into that, like tight checking, very little, like back and forth, you know, cause there were bad moments in the, in that game for him, but like it was coming when like there was a blown zone exit or something like that, where, you know, there was a bad change and, and he didn't acquit himself to it well, but overall, like once it was in the, the regular flow of like entries are hard to come by, everything's hard to come by once you're in the offensive zone, like he made it very difficult for the Nashville attacking players. I agree, but it, Ben Sherratt's probably two best games as a Panther. I still don't think he was worth the, what we gave up. Yeah, for, no, but, but at this at point, that's a sunk cost. cost. At least we're seeing, you know, we're we're seeing better results, and that's all you can ask for. Uh, I want to touch on it real quick because Pierre LeBrun t- mentioned it on the Insiders yesterday, I believe that the Panthers are willing to turn to Spencer Knight in the playoffs if. Bob's uh, inconsistencies continue. I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. I'm Knight certainly not. started the year off. Knight started the year off terribly. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He was one of the five worst goalies in the league by expected uh, goals saved above uh, expected. And he got sent down to the minors, had that you know stint down there, got, came back, and he's been the Spencer Knight that we saw last year. And he's been very good. And Bob has been inconsistent. I don't think, I think, you know, I'd be shocked if game one of the playoffs is not Sergei Bobrovsky in net, but just like last year when Q had a quick hook and went to Drieger and then eventually went to Knight, I think Burnett's going to have the same quick hook with Bob. If this, the Panthers are down, you know, two nothing and Bob's had, you know, two mediocre games or hell, even if Bob has a mediocre game one, I could see him turning to uh, a mediocre game one and the Panthers lose. Let me say it that way. Panthers have a mediocre game one and lose. I could see him turning to Spencer Knight. Shouldn't surprise anyone. Spencer Knight's been really good. He's, you know, he's looking like the, the prospect they drafted, who's one of the top three, you know, young goalies in the NHL. So why is anyone surprised by this? I think we've talked about this for years and years and years. There's no objective way to project, evaluate, whatever word you want to use, goaltending. It's Voodoo. just a fool's errand. And thus, I could not tell you what Andrew Brunette or anybody else that would be involved in that decision-making process is likely going to look at to make that decision. Would I be surprised if Spencer Knight started game one? I honestly wouldn't, but I'm going to say that I do think there's a strong, strong, strong chance, like maybe 80 to 85% chance that Bob is going to start that game. I think it, it would take either Bob playing horribly down the stretch or Knight playing lights out amazing down the stretch for that to change. But I could see either one of those things happening. 
I'm going to disagree with you and simply say, unless Bob is injured, he's getting game one. Even if he's bad down the stretch, you give your $10 million goalie game one, especially because even if he is mediocre, and I know we're going to get into it soon because we all thought it was going to be uh, the Washington Capitals, but that looks like it could possibly change. But even if he is mediocre in game one, unless he's brutal and gives up like five goals on 25 shots, Panthers still have a really good shot to win. Because despite what people are saying, oh, offense goes down in the playoffs, like this team is a five-on-five wagon. And I would be shocked if they're putting up less than four goals a game in round one. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Like they're probably not even giving it their 100% effort right now. And once the playoffs come around, you've got three lines that can come at you with 100% effort. And they're all really dangerous offensively. And two of them are good defensively. But uh, beyond that, you know, that's just a problem for teams that go into the postseason and they're like, all right, here's our strategy. We're going to win because we're going to shorten our bench defensively and our top four is going to play against the other team's top six all the time. And we're going to make sure we never get our third pairing out there against them. Well, what are you going to do about the Panthers, Reinhardt, Lundell, Marshmont line? Like you can't play your top four 60 minutes a night. And it's, and it's please, please match up your first line against the Panthers' fourth line. They're solid defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's, let, you know, let's use the Washington Capitals. Yeah, you, do you really want Lundell up against the OV line? No, but that's fine. That, that, ta- that means, you know, the Capitals have to use lines two through four against the, you know, the best th- top nine in the NHL. Good luck. You don't think Barkov's going to eat going up against another opposing team's second line? You don't think Huberto's eating going against the other team's third line? You don't think Reinhardt's eating going up against the opponent's fourth line? Like, please match up your first line against the Panthers' fourth. I'll take that slight negative that they're going to end up being and just and live off the overwhelming positive of the other matchups you now get. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally agree with that. So why don't we just go ahead and full-on pivot? to the playoff what we're looking at and a lot of the season it's been like you know where are the Panthers going to finish and now we feel pretty confident uh they have a projected seven point gap right now on Carolina that's not to say that it's actually seven points in the standings but according to uh wrestling heel in the Panthers Twitter community Dom Luschision uh that's where they're projected to finish ahead of Carolina seven points so Carolina's got to make up that gap in the projection somehow in order to shake this up on the other end, we thought that the Washington Capitals were going to be the team that the Panthers would face as the eight seed, you know, quote unquote. And now it's looking less and less certain. According to Dom's model, we're looking at the Capitals having about a 47% chance of being the Panthers first round opponent down from, I think it was like 85% the last time that he put out uh, this, that I saw it. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have risen all the way up to 40%. And they are going to be without Evgeny Malkin for the next three games after he cross-checked Mark Borietsky in the face, which was a, you know, just a, a stupid move. I don't think we really need to go further than that. So things are trending downward for the Pittsburgh Penguins very quickly. And uh, rounding out the most likely opponents for the Panthers, the Bruins have come in at 9%. And I, you know, I've long contended, I don't want any part of that. So good thing it's below 10%. I don't want any part of the Bruins, but they do have a number of injuries on the back end right now. So I guess if they end up being the eight seed, maybe those guys won't be able to come back for the first round. So it'll end up being kind of a good thing. 
who's to say, like, we can't really sit here and say, well, here's why Hampus Lindholm and Mike Riley and whoever else is going to be back for round one, because that's not something we can really give opinions on. But, you know, beyond that, I, I still, even though they're trending in opposite directions, feel strongly that the Panthers have the best chance against Washington. So I, I'm still rooting hard for that to be the first round matchup. What do you think, Alex? I mean, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, Washington, you really only got to worry about that top line of Ovi. Like if you can limit the Ovi line and obviously not give up a bunch of penal, uh, power play situations, you're feeling really good about ending that series quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, now if Ovi is, you know, putting up two points a game, that that series can easily go seven and you're, you know, you're clenching your ass cheeks the entire, t- entire way. However, you know, Give me having to worry about Ovi, then having to worry about Crosby, having to worry about Malkin, having to worry about Gensel, having to worry about Latang. I mean, Jari has kind of you know fallen back to the pack of it after an amazing first two thirds of the season. But you know, Penguins are sputtering right now. They're three six and one in their last ten. It's kind of you know, do you want the team that you know has less talent, or do you want the team that's sputtering their way to the finish? And honestly considering the capitals are only six and four in their last 10, they're not playing that great. Give me the Capitals still. Yeah. Give me the capitals. I think that we learned last year from the end of the season where Tampa got, you know, bushwhacked by the Panthers twice in a row that how you end the season on form only goes so far and you still want to bet on the top to bottom roster talent and how that projects and, looking at the a te- how a team has played over the full season is a good way to project that Tampa is an outlier because they didn't have Nikita Kucherov. So you can't necessarily project how a, a Tampa team with Nikita Kucherov would have performed with the roster they had in the regular season last year. And I think that if we're looking at the regular season this year, where Washington has had a couple of significant injuries, but there's been nothing like a, franchise player missing the entire season like Tampa Bay had last year. You know, Ovi's played pretty much every game. Kuznetsov played pretty much every game. Carlson's played pretty much every game. As far as I know, I might be wrong about the latter two. Backstrom missed like the first 25 games or something like that. But, you know, Nick Backstrom's getting up there. He's not, you know, aging as gracefully as uh, Ovi is. Ovi is obviously having a great year. I've said it before and I'll say it again, no matter how gauche it sounds, I I think the Capitals are really just the traveling Ovechkin, uh, you know, catching Gretzky tour right now. And that's their goal as a franchise to get Ovi to the, the NHL goals record and Stanley cups aren't really as much of a concern for them as they used to be because they got him one. So the last three seasons, they've gone out in the first round. They've won a combined total of five playoff games. I'm not really that scared of them in the playoffs. Just to check your work, you're you're spot on about the you know the big five in terms of Washington. Ovi looks like he's played every game because Netsov missed a game. Carlson's missed a couple. Wilson's missed a couple. Backstrom has only played 39 games this year. TJ Oshie's only played 35. Uh, Anthony Mantha's only played 28. And that's you know, so Washington's had had has had some injury issues, but their best players have been available all season. So that it's, it's a, it's a solid team. It's a, it's a playoff caliber team. Yes. But you're right. This is the get Ovi to the Gretzky record tour. And 
you know, surround with the players he wants to be around, despite the fact that they're aging. Give me the Capitals round one. Penguins, is there anything else we really want to talk about them, or did, did I cover it all? Uh, pretty much. I mean, they got Raquel at the deadline. I feel like that makes them even a, a little bit better even. Uh, just the last thing in terms of the Capitals, is, this really isn't to say, and you kind of alluded to it, they're just the worst of a very strong bunch. Like, you got to play somebody. It's not like we can say, I want to play Columbus, because Columbus isn't going to make the playoffs. It's not like I can say, I want to play Detroit. Detroit's not going to make the playoffs. It's only eight teams. You know, it has yeah. to be one of the eight. Yeah, the, unfortunately, the East is extremely top-heavy and solid. I mean, it's amazing at the top, and then seven and eight, it's like, okay, they're good. But, like, if you look at the seven and eight in terms of points, six, seven, and eight in the West, it's like the Los Angeles Kings, Nashville Predators, and Dallas Stars. Like, I'd much rather any of those opponents over – over Washington or Pittsburgh. It's just unfortunate geographies against the Panthers. And that's what, you know, they're going to have to face in the first round. It is what it is. Totally. Totally. Couldn't say it any better. I did want to touch on real quick. Cause it, you know, they're kind of been the darling of the post deadline, the Rangers, their advanced stats were bottom five, pretty much across the board. Most of the season, they make a lot of depth, low, you know, low risk depth moves, at the deadline, as we all know, uh, former Florida Panther, Frank, Frank Vitrano, Vitrano is, yeah. was traded there for a fourth-round pick. And they've all worked. The you know Rangers have gone from a bottom-five analytics team to a top-five. They're like, you know, since the deadline, they're like top-five in pretty much every stat. I'm trying to get to the tweet now so I can, I can, t- I can say it exactly. Okay, yeah, they're – Third, they're third, you know, they went from 19th best to third best in terms of defending time spent defending their zone. They give up the least amount of slot passes against, least amount of slot shots against, least amount of cycle chances against, and they're fifth best in expected goals against post deadline. Those are some pretty impressive numbers, but, and there's a big old but as the, yeah, they shut out the Flyers for nothing. So now I think they're like, 10 and four since the deadline, or maybe even a little bit better. Maybe they're 11 and three, something like that. They've been really good post deadline, but here's who their opponents have been. New Jersey devils, Pittsburgh penguins, Buffalo Sabres, Pittsburgh penguins, Detroit red wings, New York Islanders, Philadelphia flyers, New Jersey devils, Pittsburgh penguins, Ottawa senators, Carolina hurricanes. And again, the Philadelphia flyers. They lost to the Carolina Hurricanes, even though they actually led the expected goal share. And then I believe they're two and one against Pittsburgh, who, as we said, has been sputtering over since the deadline. That's not a murderer's row. That's a really soft schedule. So part of me is like, okay, yeah, great job, Drury. You made some good moves at the deadline. You shored up that because that team was really top heavy and really bad in the bottom six. They're a lot better now, but I'm also like red light screaming, like fool's gold, fool's gold. Like, sorry, Frank, Vit- you know, adding Frank Vitrano as your highlight of the deadline, or I guess you want to call it Tyler Mott is a highlight of your deadline. That's I think not he's out top for the, like the season. I think Tyler Mott's done. Okay. But you get my point. Like yeah, Frank Vitrano was your big deadline move. That does not take you to from bottom five analytics team to a top five analytics team. They've obviously gotten better but there's a lot of fools, but, Oh, and they've also had a bunch of home games. So I'm not, bu- I'm not buying on the, the New York Rangers. I mean, Panthers won't have to see them until the conference finals if they make it, 
But to me, that team is still there's that team is still going to go as far as Igor Shosturkin takes them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we talked about it at the time. They really did all they needed to do at the deadline. You don't need to go out and get a top line winger. You have Panarin. You don't have to get a top pairing defenseman. You have Adam Fox. You don't have to get an elite goalie. You have Igor Shosturkin. What you do need to get is an entire bottom six and bottom pairing because your depth is horrible. And that's what they did. They went out and got Justin Braun, Frank Vitrano, Tyler Mott. You got Andrew Kopp. These aren't players that move the needle necessarily, but you know, put them in over the likes of a Dryden Hunt or you know, some guys I've never even heard of. And that improves things pretty significantly. You know, you're just not getting killed in the bottom six. And now, you know, you got a puncher's chance. It's the NHL playoffs, like we've always say. It's, you know, a, a league where the Montreal Canadiens can make the finals one year and the next year they're the worst team in the league. And they did lose some key players in that time. There's no doubt about it. But I think that I wouldn't count them out. But at the same time, like if there's a, a chance that the Panthers could play them in the conference finals, I'm certainly not complaining about that. I'd, I'd rather see them car- than Carolina, than Pittsburgh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to be, you know, cocky Panthers fan or whatever, but it's like, you took a guy that couldn't even get into the Panthers lineup, period, and put him in your top six, and you want to say you're now a top team in the Eastern Conference? Sorry. Uh, that, that sounds a little bit like Carter Verhage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the same, though. No, it's not at all, because Carter Verhage actually went out and gave you a full season's worth of top-line production. Frank Fertrano's been, you know, Frank Fertrano's been Frank Fertrano. He'll get, you know, super hot right away, and then he'll cool off. He's a streaky player. He's a good player, but he's a streaky player. Right now, he's on a hot streak. I don't, I don't see it happening for an entire playoff run. So, I was looking into the stats in the last month because I wanted to see what it was saying, like you were saying about the Rangers, and I found this amazing. So, so the Panthers have played 15 games in the last month. They're 12-2 and one, and they have the third worst PDO in the league at 980. That's insane. Yeah, they're so they're it- scoring. Uh, at five on five, they've scored almost 10 fewer goals than expected. And they're 12, two and one. That, that gesture that you just made won't translate onto the podcast, but he basically just said, you know, ta-da, essentially. Yeah. Though if you listen to Reese Jessup, PDO is overrated. And I'm starting to agree with him because I'm sure the Panthers PDO is pretty high. And yeah. Yeah, it is over, over the course of the season. But I think that disparity between the expected goals and the actual goals is fine to, to point <laughs> out. PDO is, is overrated. I agree, but it's a nice shorthand. You know, if, yeah. I, if I wanted to get you the expected goals, uh, you know, minus goals differential for every team in the league, that would take some manual labor. Yeah, no, I, I agree. PDO is a good quick stat to use. I'm just saying like, you know, when you've got Igor Shesterkin and it's like, you know, he's putting up ungodly numbers and your team shoots at league average, you're still going to have a, a way positive PDO, but it's like, well, yeah, you've got the best goal in the world who's been on fire the entire year. Like that's not regressing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Uh, one more thing before we wrap this up, cause there isn't a whole lot else to talk about. We're really just winding towards the playoffs, thinking about what we're going to be doing in the playoffs content wise. I'm curious, do you want the Panthers to win the, the president's trophy? I don't care. I know that people talk about there being a curse about it, but I still think it's like 25% of the president's trophy winners end up going on to win the cup which is still higher than the other 15 teams in the NHL. So right. I, I'm a goalie. So obviously I'm superstitious, but like, that's just one I don't believe in. And, and let's be honest, like being able to, I mean, 
I would not put a banner up if, if you win the President's Cup just because that like the banners are for you know division titles when you don't win them a lot and conference championships when you don't win them a lot and the Stanley Cup. But like President's Trophy where it's like doesn't it just doesn't really mean anything. It's like, you know, there's no other league in, in you know, professional sports that gives a well, excuse me, non-soccer league in professional sports that gives an award to the team to the best record. So it's like cool if you I mean. Panthers win it. Great. You know, that's something they can celebrate. And, you know, next year it's like, you know, you can put a little graphic up at the first game of the season says, Hey, we won the president's cup. Obviously we hope it's a Stanley cup banner raising ceremony, but it's still something that this organization can build on and say, Hey, yeah, we went from in two years after Bill Zito, we went from out of the playoffs to the number one regular season team in the NHL. And that is something to be proud of. Yeah, I can see it both ways. Cause like you said, the, the curse is sort of overrated, but at the same time, like, you know, there's a, a chance that they win the President's Trophy, don't end up winning the Cup. And for some reason, I, I just get the sense that would be more disappointing even than you know, not winning it as the number two team. I disagree. I, if the, I mean, it all it's going to be degrees. Like, look, if the Panthers are out in the first round, which I find highly unlikely, it's going to be like, regardless of whether they win the President's Cup or don't, like, it's going to be the same level of disappointment as uh, Tampa fans had when they went in the first round two, uh, three years ago. Like this team cannot go out in the first round. Like we've struggled so much, dealt with so much shit, gotten shit on by every other fan base so many times, like to finally have this team and go out in the first round would be devastating. Second round exit to me would be disappointing because this team is a cup caliber team, but there's going to be enough people who like, Hey, yeah, we haven't won around since 96. Like I'll take it. But yeah, like, that's to me is going to be the determining factors of how disappointed I am, how devastated I am is where this team goes out, assuming they don't win the cup, whether or not they went, they, they were the president's trophy when that happened is not going to change anything for me. Cause what we know, this is a top three team in the NHL, regardless of whether or not they get the most points. Yeah. I think that we're going to see some nice gains in the market. And I know that people kind of already expect them because of how good they are in the regular season. But you know, if, if we start, whipping up the South Florida media because they're in the conference finals. And, you know, we're starting to see all of the national media land in sunrise as well. I think that's something that is going to get a, uh, a lot more eyeballs in the market on the team. You know, that's what happened in Nashville when they went to the finals and now all of a sudden they're selling out like every game. It, it certainly happened in Tampa because they have this long sellout streak. And I think it could happen with the Panthers as well. It's already happening. I mean, Look at that game last night. It, I mean, it wasn't packed, but Anaheim is usually one of the worst draws of the season. Like there's, you know, six, 7,000. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Tuesday night against Anaheim is usually like, Hey, this is going to be one of our bottom three attended games of the season. It's going to be, you know, six, 7,000 people. Cause there's zero Anaheim fans here and no one goes because they want, you know, they enjoyed mighty ducks as a kid. Like no one's going to that game. I mean, I remember the four goal comeback game four years ago. And there was no one in the stands to enjoy that. Like there was no one there. So they're getting good crowds for these teams that don't draw. I mean, they're not sellouts yet, but the fans are coming. You go on a cup run and make it to the Stanley cup finals. You're going to see a lot of sellouts next year. Oh, for sure. For sure. And uh, that pretty much does it for the podcast. One last thing that I do want to mention, we're giving away a pair of tickets to the jets game. On Friday night, tomorrow night, if you're listening to this on Thursday, lower ball seats. I just got them from uh, 
I just got the tickets and I can't confirm they are in a uh, row that begins with the number one. So we're talking about lower 19 rows of the lower ball. That's pretty damn good t- tickets. And, you know, we're not in a place where this team is just going to give away seats like this anymore. So, you know, you would have to pay like a hundred, maybe even more to get a pair of tickets like this. And we're giving them away away for free. So just check out our Twitter account and see how you can win those tickets. And if you're thinking about reselling them, guess what? We're sending you screenshots. So you can't put them on stuff up. You're going to the game. (laughs) I'm going to send them at 6 50 PM. So you know, good, good luck. You got to send me a selfie in front of FLA Live Arena before I send the tickets. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Panther Paris. Alex, have you thought of a place that the people can rate us five stars? Rate us five stars on Netflix. <laughs> or rate us five it. stars on AshleyMadison.com. <laughs> there you go. So rate us five stars on Ashley Madison and Netflix after you enter to win those two tickets to uh, tomorrow night's game. Hopefully... You'll be there to cheer on the cats and we'll close out this uh, Eastern conference, regular season championship, and then throw up a cringy banner and make bad memes about it. Like Nashville. Anyway, until that happens, we'll talk to you later. Take care. everybody. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.